Well, good morning and welcome to Genesis Church. My name is Jerry. I'm one of the pastors here and we're glad to have you with us uh, today. I want to say hello to those of you that are tuning in with us online today. Hello, especially to Kevin and Tammy in Arizona. I hope it's warm where you are because it's not warm here and I'm a little, I'm a little jealous. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but hey, we're, it's good to be with you guys today. I want to take a moment and pray and ask for God's help as we jump into his word. So would you pray with me? Father, we're thankful uh, for this amazing thing called the church, the body of Jesus, your hands and your feet. Uh, It's not a building, it's a collection of people that have been on mission for several thousand years, and we're thankful that we get to gather today. We get to sing to you, Jesus. Um, Holy Spirit, we're thankful that you are with us, that you live inside of us through faith in Jesus. And so right now, Holy Spirit, we ask and we pray that you would guide our time together. As we open up God's word, would you teach us? Would you help us uh, to see what you want us to see? But more importantly, would you help us to respond in faith? Would you help us to move and be on mission with you wherever you're calling us to go, whatever it is that you want us to do? And we just pray that you would accomplish amazing things, your purposes through our church family and through your church throughout the world. That is our prayer, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So, Like many of you, our kiddos started back to school this week after holiday break, except that uh, our kids started off in a really weird way. Our high schoolers didn't have to go to school on Monday, but our younger two had an e-learning day. Now, I don't know if you're a parent with kids, I don't know what your experience with e-learning days is. Great technology, I'm sure it's well-intentioned. We have great school, great teachers, all of that is great, but there's just not a lot of learning that takes place on an e-learning day. Like there's like kids are, some of you are like, oh, of course, right? It's just a placeholder, really. Let's just be honest. And our kids are young enough that like, they need to be in a classroom and they need to interact with, with teachers. That's the way you're gonna learn best. But I think the same is probably true for us as adults, right? How many of you are in a Zoom meeting on a regular basis, okay? Right? Zoom is great. What a wonderful, amazing tool. You can connect with anybody, anywhere in the world, anytime. And it's great. I just wouldn't wanna spend all my time in Zoom because you missed something. I was on a Zoom call earlier this week with our worship pastor, Joel Burkhead. We were here and we had other people at our Noblesville campus. And anytime I'm on a Zoom meeting and there's a couple of us here and lots of us in another place, I always feel like an observer. They're like, hey, did you hear that? Did you get that? Did you write that down? It just, there's something that's lost in translation or it's easy to lose in translation. And my point is, unless you're there in person, it's always gonna feel like you're missing something. Not bad, it's just not as good as it could be. I think the same is true when it comes to living out our faith in Jesus. Our faith in Jesus is never meant to be observed from a distance or from the sidelines. He has designed us to know him personally, but he's also designed us to know one another and to help each other grow in the process. Now, this January, we're in a series that we're calling Reset. And the whole purpose of this series is to reset our priorities to the things that Jesus says, these are important, do these things as individuals and as a church. Or better yet, don't do these things, but follow me as I show you how to live life the way that I intend. And so we wanna hit reset and go back to these things that we feel like God is calling us to as individuals and as a church family. And here's the reality. There's been a lot that's happened in our world over the last few years, right? Lots that have changed in our world, in our community, and in our church. And it's easy for us to get distracted away from the most important things, the things that we would say, yeah, God's telling us to do this, but we're kind of busy with this over here. So the purpose of Reset is to say, okay, let's refocus our attention. God, tell us where you want us to go. Where, where are you leading us? And so in week one, we hit Reset on our mission. Our mission for the last 20 years here at Genesis has been to help people find their way 
back to God. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where the apostle Paul urges followers of Jesus to live as ambassadors for Christ, to live our lives in such a way that people experience Jesus through us and they can find a relationship with God through faith in him. And so that's our mission as a church family. Last week, we hit reset by looking at our vision. And our vision is what we believe God is calling us to become. And our vision here at Genesis is to become a disciple-making church. Now, this isn't an idea that we came up with on our own. We see Jesus modeling this for us. After his resurrection from the dead, Matthew tells us he gathered his followers together. And he said, guys, this is the mission. I want you to go into the whole world and I want you to teach other people to follow me. I want you to make disciples. I want you to teach them to follow me the way I have taught you to follow me. These are Jesus's words and his command. And, and last week, we, to, to help us understand this, we looked at this image of a fruit bearing tree to help us understand what spiritual growth looks like and what the disciple making process looks like in our everyday lives. And we said that our lives are a lot like seeds. Seeds are such amazing organisms. They not only have the power to produce a tree, they have a power to produce a tree that can bear fruit, that can produce more trees that can bear fruit. So within a seed is the power to launch a forest. Our lives are the very same way. God has created us as spiritual beings to know him, to connect with him. And then he wants to use our lives to grow and multiply his kingdom here on the earth. It's an amazing thing. He's called all of us to this disciple-making mission so we can grow spiritually and help others do the same and point them to Jesus. But here's what I want us to see today. Disciple-making is what Jesus is calling us to, but he's not calling any one of us to do it all by ourselves. He's calling us to live on mission together, to know him personally, but to live on mission together so we can live out this thing that he's called us to and to build up this amazing body of believers that we know as the church. So if you have a Bible, I wanna invite you to turn to Acts chapter one. Now, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna begin a year-long study through the book of Acts. But today, I just wanna look at the first few chapters of Acts and I want us to see how the Holy Spirit took the first followers of Jesus, this small group of people, and he reshaped them. He formed them from being followers of Jesus to being a family of believers that was growing and thriving and expanding to the ends of the earth. And so in Acts chapter one, here's what we learn. After his resurrection, Jesus was alive for 40 days. He walked on the earth for 40 days, teaching his disciples. And at some point in time, he made a promise to them. He said, I'm gonna give you all the power you need to live this mission out. Acts chapter one, verse eight, these are Jesus's words in his resurrected body. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So in essence, Jesus is reaffirming his disciple making mission. And he's saying, here is the good news. This is the mission and I'm gonna give you all the power you're gonna need and I'm gonna do that work through you through the power <clears throat> of the Holy Spirit. So their mission was to go and to be his witnesses. But if you keep reading in Acts chapter one, we see a different pattern develop. In Acts chapter 114, after Jesus ascends into heaven, we learned that they all joined together constantly in prayer. Now that's a good thing. To come together and to pray together regularly, that's really good. In Acts chapter two, verse one, this is a week and a half later after his ascension, 10 days has gone by. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So they continued to meet together. 
And that was the day that the Holy Spirit would come on them in power. And after the Holy Spirit had come on them in power, we read this in Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, in large group gatherings, and in homes. So do you see the pattern? Jesus had said, you're going to be my witnesses in the world, but they kept gathering together. He said to go, they chose to gather. Now, I think this brings us to a couple of really good questions. Were they obeying Jesus or were they doing their own, own thing? Or is it possible that we can go into the world and we can gather together at the same time? And what we're gonna see in the book of Acts is that Jesus has called them. He has empowered them to advance the kingdom of God by making disciples in his name. But at the very same time, he is also beginning to form this amazing body of believers that we know as a church. It was not a building. It's a group of people united under his name to carry out this mission. And here's why I like the book of Acts so much. It's a history book. It tells us how the early church was formed, how it functioned and how it grew. And if you read through the book of Acts, when we read through the book of Acts in a few weeks, I want you to pay attention to this pattern that we see. We see that believers in Jesus, they would gather together to worship him, but they would also be gathered together to be equipped for the mission that he had given them. They would gather together to be encouraged and to encourage one another. And then they would scatter and they would go into the world to be salt and light the way Jesus had equipped them to be. So throughout the book of Acts, here's the pattern. They gather and they scatter and they gather and they scatter. And here's what's the amazing thing that happened. As they gathered and as they scattered, the message of the gospel the truth of Jesus's resurrection began to spread from house to house and city to city, region to region, country to country. And 2000 years later, it continues to spread to the ends of the earth. And so here at Genesis, we would want you to know we're bought in on this mission. We wanna pursue the same pattern the early church did of expanding the influence of Jesus advancing the message of the gospel, making disciples in his name and for his glory, but just like the early church. And I want you to hear me say this. None of us are called to do this alone. We're all called to do it together. Everyone has a role to play and we're supposed to help each other in the process. And so today I want us to hit reset by helping us discover, or maybe we need to rediscover the purpose of the church. What, what is the church? What is it supposed to be? How is it supposed to function? And what role can we play to build it up together? So over the last few years here at Genesis, honestly, right before COVID hit, we rolled out this thing that we called the pathway. And the pathway is a tool that we have developed to help people find out where they are in this disciple-making process, where you fit in the life of the church and how you can help others grow along the way. But before I walk you through this pathway, I wanna share with you some basic principles that help, have helped shape our mindset on this, okay? Some basic things. The first thing is that we believe here at Genesis that Jesus is our model for life in ministry. And here's what I mean when I say that. We believe that when Jesus walked this earth, he was fully God and he was fully man. And he had all the same, spirit, all the spiritual resources that he had access to, we have access to as well. That's a really good thing. That means that when Jesus lived, he was saying, if you follow me, I'm gonna show you how to live life the way that God intended. You can interact with the Holy Spirit just like I do. You can pray to God as your heavenly father, just like I do. 
We believe that Jesus initiated a movement of multiplying disciples and churches. We've seen that pattern for the last 2,000 years, and we want to play a part in helping to advance that, that call as a church family. We believe that Jesus has called all of his followers to invest in a few people around you. He has given us all a sphere of influence and he wants us to use our lives to speak his name, to model his influence so that people become curious and know how to follow him. In John 15, Jesus made a promise to his first followers. He said, if you abide or you remain in me, if you rest in me, you will produce much fruit for my father's kingdom. It will be to my father's glory. But he also said, if you don't abide or remain in me, you won't do anything of value. In essence, Jesus is saying, I want you to stay relationally connected to me so I can show you how to do this. You don't have the power to do this on your own. I'm gonna give you everything that you need. I'm gonna give you my righteousness. I'm gonna give you my spirit. I just want you to respond to me in obedience. I want you to experience the life that God has created you for. And finally, another principle that helps shape this pathway for us is that we believe the church is meant to function as a family that's living on mission together. One of the amazing realities of the gospel message is that when we put our faith in Jesus, our relationship with God is restored. And he's not just a far and distant God. He wants us to call him father. He adopts us into his family. He gives us his righteousness and says, you are my children, which means we are his daughters and sons. We are his brothers. We are brothers and sisters. And he wants us to be a family that's working together. Now we know how family is supposed to function, right? Families care for each other. Families pray for each other. Families move as a unit. I tell our kids all the time, look, there's six of us. We move together as a unit. None of us gets to go off and do our own thing. We're stronger together as a family. And I think the same is true as a church family. Now I wanna make two clarifications before we jump into the pathway. When we talk about building up the church, this is really important. We are not talking about bigger attendance numbers on a Sunday. I think that that could be an outcome down the road. But when we talk about building up the church, we're not talking about building a silo for Genesis. We are talking about casting a net in our community and in our world for the influence of Jesus. Okay, that's a really, I want you to hear me say that. When we talk about the church, we're talking about the capital C church. Other churches, other believers united under the name of Jesus. Genesis is just one small part of that. So I want you to hear me say this. This isn't about building up Genesis. It's just about advancing God's kingdom together. But at a local level, here in our church family, we believe that this pathway, we've developed it in such a way to help you know, well, where am I? How do I connect with the life of Genesis Church? And, and how can I help others do that as well? So we've outlined four simple steps. They're based on the disciple-making calls that we saw last week. If you, if you missed out on that message, I wanna encourage you to go back and check it out for yourself. But here are the four steps in this pathway. The first is to connect in community. The second is to encounter Jesus. And then we begin following Jesus. And finally, we're meant to multiply our lives for Jesus. And so today I just want you to ask, just pray and ask this question, God, where am I in this process? Where do you, how do you want to move me? How, what role do you want me to play in building up the church? And who are the people that I can bring along with me? And here's a really important distinction. This is a pathway. It's not a driveway. It's not a place where you go and you park. You'll notice the arrows. It's a cycle. 
We all grow through this and we bring others along. And so we continue to grow and help them develop along the way. So let's start with step number one, connecting in community. We see Jesus model this for us in his life. In John chapter one, we learn how Jesus met his first five disciples with two simple calls. Come and see and follow me. And at the end of his first day of ministry, or actually the second day of ministry, he had five guys that were curious about him and they were ready to start moving with him. And so what he does, John tells us, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to a wedding in Cana. Why don't you come with me? They literally follow him to this wedding. And then they go from Cana to another city called Capernaum. But here's what we see. They're spending time with Jesus. And in John 3, we read this. This is early on in his ministry. After this, after traveling around with him, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside. It's almost like they went on a camping trip where they spent some time together. Now that phrase, spent some time together, comes from one Greek word. It's the Greek word diatribo, and it means to rub off on or to influence or to get under the skin of. In other words, Jesus was spending intentional time with this community of people he was gonna raise up to be believers, but he was developing friendships. He wanted to know, look, you can trust me and I can trust you. And I want you to think about this. In Jesus's life, think of all the different groups of people that he spent time with. He spent groups with large, time with large crowds and smaller groups. But what we see more than anything is he intentionally invests his life, the majority of his life, in, small, in a small intentional circle of believers. And he was equipping them specifically for this mission of carrying out, uh, of making disciples that would make disciples. So what we learn is that even Jesus needed a few close relationships. And we all do. Community is so important for us. And you can connect with people in lots of different ways. You can find community at work. You can be on a team that you absolutely love. And that's a good thing. You can find community at the gym. That's not bad. You can find community at game nights or trivia nights. All of those are good. Great people, right? But here's an important question for us to ask with the different communities that we're in. Is it a community that's leading you to encounter Jesus and to grow closer to him? Because I believe we all need to be a part of a community like that. If we're part of a community like that, we can go to those other communities and influence people for Jesus. And so here at Genesis, we wanna help you get relationally connected to some people around you. So you have some people that are growing and helping you grow along the way. We're always trying to create environments like this. That's why we take an extended time of greeting where we say, get up out of your seat and move around. Find someone you've never met before and say hello. Because if you're new, little newsflash, we don't want you to feel new for long. We want you to feel like you belong here, like you're welcomed here, and we want to help you take a next step. Now, we've got a really intentional next step planned right after this service. It's called Intro to Genesis. It's a 15 to 20 minute meeting where you can meet our staff. You can ask us questions that you're curious about. But our goal at Intro to Genesis is to help you understand who we are and what we believe so we can help you take a next step in your journey with Jesus, no matter where you are on that journey. It's taking place right after service in the community room at the front part of the cafe. Dan Tal is going to lead that. So if you get up and just go straight there, he'll be there. You'll get to meet some of our staff. We would love to meet you there. Hopefully you'll get to meet some other people that are new. It's a great place to start. But if you've been here for a while and you're looking for an opportunity, you you still don't feel connected. I want to share a couple of simple next steps that you can take. Nikki mentioned this a moment ago. We're in the process of launching new connection groups. We do this a few times a year. And these groups literally are meant to function as small churches inside of the larger church. It is a place where you can go. And if you don't feel like you're connected to anyone, you make those connections there. These are people that will walk through life with you. These are people that will pray with you and you can pray for. 
people that will study scripture with you. The goal is that you're growing, you're helping each other grow spiritually. And I, I say this a lot. I'm, part of, I'm a part of two of these groups. And I love these people. I rely on these people. I love being with them. And I don't know what I would do without them. They are our small church family in the midst of this bigger church family. And so if you're not connected to a group, you can join one right now. We'd love to help you find a place to connect. So right after service, you can go to the blue tent in the lobby and fill out a connection card and just write groups on there and we'll follow up with you. We would love to help you take that next step. So that's step one. Step two in this pathway is to encounter Jesus. We wanna help you connect in community so you know you belong. And then we wanna help you encounter Jesus. And encountering Jesus just means that you begin to understand who he is, why he has come, what he has done for us, and how he wants to use your life to influence others. Let me, let me share with you just a really simple picture of what the message of the gospel looks like, what it means to encounter Jesus. Scripture teaches us that in the very beginning, when God created the, the earth and, and people, he wanted us to have a perfect relation. He created the perfect environment but sin entered into the world and our relationship with God was damaged. We are, we are separated from God because of our sin and there's nothing that we can do to make that right. And because our relationship is damaged, we deserve death, physical death, but worse, spiritual death, eternal separation from God. That's bad news. But the good news is that God in his divine love for us has sent his son, Jesus. He came to live on this earth as a man. And when he died, he died in our place. He died to pay for every sin, past, present, and future that you and I will ever commit. And he says, if you put your trust and faith in me, here's the good news. Your sins are forgiven. You're restored in your relationship with your heavenly father. I'm gonna fill you with my spirit. I'm gonna give you all of my righteousness. You don't have to try hard anymore. I just want you to live in obedience to me and to our heavenly father so you can live on mission together. Now that's, that's the gospel in a nutshell. Encountering Jesus is hearing that message, being exposed to that message, asking questions along the way so that you can put your faith in Jesus. You can respond by being baptized into him. And so maybe you're at, at this encounter phase and you've got all kinds of questions. First thing I want you to know is we're so glad that you're here. Your questions and your fears and your doubts, they are welcome. There's nothing that you're gonna ask, nothing that you're gonna share that we're gonna say, sorry, we can't help you. You don't belong here. All of that's welcome, but here's my, here's my challenge for you. An easy next step is to begin to pray and say, hey God, if you're real, would you just reveal yourself to me? Will you help me understand who you are and who your son Jesus is? And I promise you, if you pray that prayer and you mean it and you continue to pray and ask, I believe with all my heart, he is gonna respond to you because he loves you. He wants you to understand who he is. And then another step I wanna encourage you to take is to investigate the claims of Jesus. His first invitation to his disciples was to come and see, come investigate, poke around for yourself. So you investigate. I wanna invite you to begin to read God's word. Maybe you begin in the gospels and discover who Jesus is. In a few weeks, we're gonna begin reading through the book of Acts. You don't have to wait for us. You can start right now. But these are all really simple steps that you can take to begin to have some spiritual momentum in your life. And then ultimately, we want to call you to respond to Jesus in baptism when your faith is in him. We celebrate baptisms a few times a year. It's a powerful depiction of his death, burial, and resurrection. We die to our old way of life and we are raised to new life in him through, through faith and through faith in him alone. 
So that's what encountering Jesus looks like. And it leads to step number three on the pathway. We call this step to follow Jesus. What we see Jesus uh, do, he issues a call for his disciples early on. Hey, if you believe in me, I want you to follow me. And we talked about this last week, but learning to follow Jesus means that we willingly surrender our will so he can transform us to be more and more like him. So following him means we have to let go of our past, not so we can become a better version of ourselves, but we can become the version of ourselves that God has created us to be in the first place. And we do that by learning to live like Jesus. And again, in John 15, Jesus tells his disciples, if you abide in me, if you remain in me, if you rest in me, I will use your life to bear fruit for my father's kingdom. It will bring him glory. But he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So that word abide, it just means to rest in or to live in his presence. And so you might think, well, what does that, what does that look like? I think it means that we just set aside some time every day. It doesn't matter if it's in the morning or in the evening, it's throughout our day. And we worship his presence in our life. We can sing songs, that's great. But we worship him by thanking him for what's happening in life, asking for his help, seeking his guidance. So maybe you've been following for a while and you feel stuck. I wanna challenge you to begin practice abiding. And I, and I wanna be honest with you, this is hard. It's hard for me. It's not, it, it's not hard because God's made it hard. It's hard because I don't know how to sit still. It's hard because I show up and I want to produce something for God. And he's like, I just want you to be with me. When one of my kids crawls up in my lap and just wants to be with me, that's amazing. They just wanna be close to me. That's abiding. So I wanna challenge you to learn to abide, to lean in. When when you show up, you don't have to bring anything. You just say, I'm here, teach me. Show me what you want me to see. I've already mentioned groups. Groups are a great place for you to get connected with some people. And my guess is he's got some people that he wants to help you grow, but he also has some people that he wants you to help grow as well. I also wanna challenge you to use your gifts to serve and build up this church family and his kingdom locally. One of the amazing things about receiving the truth of Jesus is that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and he gives us brand new gifts that we didn't even know that we had. I'd love to tell you the story of how this played out in my life sometime, but he has given you a gift to build up this, not this building, but this body of believers. And so you'll hear us talk about serving in gin kids or student ministry or behind the scenes. It's because God's given you a gift to build it up here, but these, these gifts are meant to be used relationally. So it's not just here, it's out in our community as well. It's serving in our kids' schools in the name of Jesus and serving in our neighborhood in the name of Jesus. He was the servant of all. We are called to follow his example. If you like to serve, I've got an opportunity for you today. There is a family driving here right now from Florida. They've been to Genesis twice. They loved it so much. They wanna land here. They're getting ready to move into an apartment right down the road and they need people to unpack their truck. They don't know anything about Genesis other than we came a couple of times and we felt welcome. So right after service, if you're interested in helping me and some others help them move in, put your gifts to use. Help them, help them move in and help them feel like part of the community. I talked to two ladies today. They're both single moms. They have a passion to help single moms that are struggling. I didn't even know this. I discovered it today and I've been able to put them in contact today with a single mom that is struggling. This is what it looks like for us to build up our church family. We live on mission together to serve whoever God puts in front of us with whatever gifts he has given us. And look, I realize these steps seem really obvious, don't they? Pray, ask God, join a group, connect, serve. 
It's the pattern we see in the early church. They met together in large groups. They met together in small groups. Why would it be any different for us? Now, it's easy for us to assume that this third step follow is the end because you've put your faith in Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. You're adopted into God's family. What more could there be? But Jesus says, actually, you're just starting. That's, that's a brand new beginning. We've talked about this already. He has called all of us to use our lives to multiply a few. This is step four in the pathway. We wanna help everyone to grow to this phase. And I'm not gonna tell you what it looks like because it's gonna look different for me than it is for you. But I want you to think about the people he has placed under your roof, in your neighborhood that you work with, that they don't know him or they know him, but they don't know how to grow in their relationship with him. It's just you're sharing and modeling your faith in him in some really simple and practical ways. Now, this is interesting. Jesus modeled this for us. About a year and a half into his ministry, he took his first followers and he said, I want, they were fishermen. And he said, I want you to follow me and I'm gonna teach you how to fish for men. It's a clever wordplay, but here's what he does. In the gospel of Mark, what you see is right after making that call, he takes them on fishing trips, but not out on the water. He takes them to social gatherings. He takes them to homes and to villages so that, listen to this, they go fishing relationally with Jesus so that people can connect with him relationally, so that they can encounter him for themselves and they can begin to follow him. Jesus has modeled the pathway in his life for us. It is a really simple thing for us to follow his example. Next week, we're gonna look at a passage from Luke 10 where Jesus gathered together 72 of his followers he sends them out two by two. And he says, here's the deal, guys. There's lots of people to fish for, but there's a problem. There's not enough people fishing for all the other people. That's why I'm sending you out. They were the answer to the problem. We are the answer to the problem. How humbling is it that God wants to use me and you to accomplish this? I had a conversation with two different people here at Genesis this week all built around this idea of how do I move? What do I do next? One of them was a lady that came to me after service last week and said, hey, you, you keep telling us to pray for our few, but what do I do? And she said, God has shown me who my few are. What's my next step? And I asked her, well, what are you doing? And she said, well, I'm spending a lot of time with them. One of them is my neighbor. We were making bread together and we talk and catch up and I've been praying for him. And I was like, well, you're doing it. You're, you're relationally investing in, in him. He said, yeah, but I want to know how, how and when do I know to share the gospel? I said, well, you just pray for boldness. You're modeling it with your life. They already know you care about them. Pray for an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to open it up and then just talk about Jesus with them. I just wanted to encourage you. You're already doing it. You don't have to try hard. He's opening up the doors for you. You just keep walking through them. And it takes time. It takes time. But the great thing about this lady is she cares for these people enough that she's invested to stay. There was another guy, a guy in my small group that said, I've got a guy that I'm working out with. I used to work with him. We work out and he's told me like, you're a role model to me. The only problem is he doesn't believe in God. What do I do? And I said, well, what are you doing? Well, we go to the gym and we work out. He does whatever I tell him to do. I'm like, well, then what? just talk about Jesus. Show him that you love him and pray for boldness to share your faith. Guys, this is what it looks like. You have people like that. You have opportunities like that. This is not rocket science. This is the mission of the church. And here's the good news. You do not have to leave and go to another country to do this. You don't have to relocate your family. You don't have to quit your job unless, of course, the Holy Spirit tells you to. You don't have to go back to school. You don't have to become a pastor. It's not all that glamorous. 
You are pastors right where you are. He has called and equipped all of us to do this thing together. Now, one of the things I love about the book of Acts is at the end of chapter two, we get a glimpse of what the church is meant to be when people live on this mission together. I wanna share a paraphrase with you of Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47. It says, there was once a community of believers who were so totally devoted to God that their life together was charged with the Holy Spirit's power. In that band of Christ followers, believers looked each other, I'm sorry, believers loved each other with a radical kind of love. They took off their masks and they shared their lives with one another. They laughed and they cried and they prayed and they sang and they served together in authentic Christian fellowship. Those who had more shared freely with those who had less until socioeconomic barriers melted away. People related together in ways that bridge gender and racial chasms and celebrated cultural differences. This community of believers, this church offered unbelievers, those on the outside, a vision that it was so beautiful that it took their breath away and they were curious. It was so bold, so creative and so dynamic that they could not resist it. And here's the best part. Acts chapter two, verse 47. In the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved, not to their attendance count, not to their Christmas offering total, but to the number of people in their community that were surrendering their faith to Jesus. That's what it looked like for the early church. That's always been the intention. How great would it be for us to get to see something like that happen in a more powerful way than we could ever imagine? Not just a little bit here and a little bit there. Explosive growth for the kingdom of God. It's me and it's you, it's us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Committing to the mission that he's given us, building up this body of the church and living on mission together. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful. I'm excited. I can't wait to get into the book of Acts in a few weeks. You have given us a blueprint of what you want the church to look like. And the great thing is it does not depend on us. It, it is, you're gonna grow your church for the glory of your son, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, but you want to use us. You want us to have a family that we didn't even know that we had. You've adopted us and you've redeemed us. And now you're calling us to love and care and serve one another in such a way that people on the outside look in and say, I wanna know all about that. So Holy Spirit, we don't just want you, we need you. Would you come upon our church family in such a powerful way that a revival would break out, that we would be hungry. We wouldn't be lazy. We would be hungry. We would say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Would you use me today to accomplish your purpose? Would you help me to invest in the people around me, my kids, my spouse, my neighbors, my friends? And little by little, bit by bit, as we work together, we would see people come to know you daily, not just here at Genesis, but at all churches locally and around the world. Jesus, you promised to return one day but in the meantime, you have given us a mission to live out. Help us to be faithful to that mission. We love you. Would you draw our hearts back to the basics? Would you help us to hit reset on where you're calling us? Thank you for your righteousness that's been credited to our account. Thank you for your spirit that empowers us. Would you help us to go and declare the name of Jesus? We love you. It's in your name we pray.